Welcome to the Accepted Podcast, a college admissions podcast for the savvy student. My name is Tyler Kusunoki. I am an admissions consultant working out of Tokyo with students from all over the world to help them achieve their college dreams. If you like what you're hearing and want to support this podcast, be sure to subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or your platform of choice. Do follow us and hit the bell icon for notifications to stay up to date as well. Uh, please also leave us a rating as that really helps this podcast to reach more people. Also lets us know how we're doing. And if you would like to let us know further and in more detail how we're doing, please do leave a comment. I really have found the feedback that I have received to be incredibly helpful. It really helps guide and motivate me to keep this going. And it also just gives me a little bit of insight into what the audience wants to hear. So if there are specific questions you want my perspective on or you want an answer to, if there are uh, particular topics that you think should be addressed more, right? if you disagree with anything that I'm saying, we'd love to hear any and, and all of it. As, as an educator, feedback is my thing. I love it. I love giving it. I love receiving it. It's all about that process of improvement. So if there is anything that you would like to know more about, if you would just like to hop in and let us know how we're doing, that would be great. I want to read a quick one from UChicago, class of 27. Thank you, UChicago, class of 27. Um, and this was a five-star rating. It says, hyper-instructive, frank, elegant dialogue demystifying the college application process. Wonderful resource. Thank you, UChicago. Demystification is a big thing for me. I think that there is so much so much red tape around the college admissions process, around what it takes to get into a competitive university, and around how much planning and intention needs to go into making that work. That And there's so much misinformation out there, right? That part of my goal when deciding to create this podcast and so much of my goal when working with families is to demystify a lot of this stuff, to make sure that it is not clogging up the brain and causing confusion, right? When there are already enough stressors on a high schooler's life. So uh, thank you again, you Chicago 27 and um, everyone else. If you have comments, please feel free to submit them. Okay. All right. Uh, I have some things I wanted to talk about today, but before that, I kind of wanted to talk about another thing. USC just uh, finished their ED round. They released their notifications around ED, sorry, EA, their early action and their early action process. And their early action acceptance rate was 6%. Okay, that's insanity, right? 6% is crazy. So they received over 40,000 applications and they accepted 2,400. This is Pretty intense, and you know, and there are reasons for this, and that I kind of I, I wanted to talk about reasons that it obviously is my speculation, right? But just to quickly talk about what this is. So recently, USC has decided to tie their early action program to merit scholarship, right? That if you want to be considered eligible for any type of merit scholarship, you actually have to get your your application in early, right? Okay, no big deal, right? That seems to make sense, right? We would want to be able to award students who have the discipline and the time management to get all of their stuff in early, right? And so they have tied their merit scholarship to early action. That in and of itself, in a vacuum, right, is not a big deal, right? But if you take the time to go to, say, Stanford or Princeton, right, and you read through their restricted early action policies, right? The restricted early action is basically 
a policy that is to some degree even more restrictive than ED, right? That if you apply REA, you can't apply to any other early action program. You obviously cannot apply to, except for public schools, right? You can't apply to any other early action program. You can't obviously ED anywhere else, right? It's pretty restrictive in terms of your choice, right? Whereas if you ED, you can still apply to a bunch of EA schools, right? REA doesn't allow for applying to ED, if applying for EA. You can't apply for early action at, at, at a private institution if you are applying REA to Stanford or to any of these schools that have restricted early action. The exception to this, right, and this is written very clearly on their wording, right, is that if the early action program, right, is tied to scholarship, right, if the early action is part of the requirement to be eligible for scholarship, you may apply. This is a huge loophole and an interesting one, right? Again, this is just me speculating. I don't have any hard knowledge on this, right? But 6% as an acceptance rate and the number of applicants that have applied is unheard of. And the amount of students who applied and were deferred, also interesting, right? Um, Obviously, 94% were deferred. So my speculation is basically that a lot of students who were REAing, right, because USC is an incredible school, right, with tremendous resources for a lot of students who um, would be primarily aiming at a top-tier, top-tier university, right, is that a lot of students took the time to read it, right, to read the wording of the REA agreement and took the time to read the wording of USC's early action policy and realized, wait, if it's tied to merit scholarship, then can't I just apply to this also? And they did. And so what you're likely seeing to some degree is A, a huge number of applicants, of course, right? But also B, a huge number of applicants that have the stat profile and prof- and overall extracurricular package to be reasonably considering a top-tier university like Stanford, who now are also applying to USC in the early action pool. And so you will see both the increase of numbers as well as an inflated competitiveness right, in this application, in, in that particular school's application process. Right? So again, the ripple effects of college applications and decisions by individual schools and how those affect everything else right, are fascinating. And so this is obviously something that I'm going to continue to track, but it is a very interesting thing. And obviously, if going forward policies don't change and you are a student who is of the profile to be able to apply for a top-tier REA school, go ahead and apply for USC early action, right? Be part of the problem. But that's the reality is that this is a perfect example of the opaqueness of the college application process, the intricacies and complexities of that, the importance of strategy, right, of really taking your time and doing your research to see that, oh, these two things, right, USC's decision and schools around who have designed their REA policies, those two things overlap and intersect in a way that gives me more opportunities, right? That's important, right? But that takes time to find out or take someone who knows to tell you, right? And so I just wanted to go off a little bit on that. It's something that has just come to my attention that I find really interesting. And it will be interesting to see how different schools do this going forward, right? Um, USC 
I'm sure is pretty happy with being able to show how competitive their early action is, right? Lower percentages boost rankings, right? Because it means that your school is more competitive. We will see if this sets a precedent for other private institutions, right? Who really, really want to try to attract that top, top tier of kids who may not well, they're all kind of good enough. It's just so competitive, right? Who may not get into Stanford, Princeton, right? But those kids are awesome. Wouldn't we want those at USC? Wouldn't we want those at my school um, applying to our programs, right? How do we get a slice of that pie? Well, maybe let's try creating this kind of loophole. Okay, so just something to track. Obviously, this is something that I'm going to do. It's my job, right? So um, I will um, keep on that. And um, as we get more data from acceptances, um, I will be able to share a little bit more about that as well. All right. Today, I wanted to follow up on my conversation last week about uh, about teacher recs with other recs. One thing a lot of students don't realize until they get to the Common App is that most schools will allow for an additional recommendation. You have your counselor rec, you have your two teacher recs, right? But a lot of schools also leave a slot open for an additional recommendation. And when you first think about it, you're like, oh, it probably has to be another teacher. But there are categories. Um, of each school can decide what type of recommendation that they are going to accept. And when you read through this on Common App and you go down, you're like, wait, really? Because the people who can write a third rec for you include, right, obviously teacher, right, and kind of obviously employer. If you have an employer, employer who you really have a good relationship with, obviously, but it also includes things like coach, right, art or music instructor, Right, um, but also things like peer, parent, right, and kind of a broad, uncategorized other. Okay, and so the there are plenty of opportunities for an additional rec to be written on your behalf, and it follows the same system, right, of the teacher recs, and that it will be once you assign that rec to them, they will receive a separate email and a, and a place to submit and upload their rec confidentially. What this does is it presents a window for you to present another version of yourself that you think rounds out your package, right? rounds out your profile. I talked last week about how I really do think the teacher recs are going to become increasingly important because there is this seal of confidentiality that guarantees, to some extent, right? Um, there will always be ways around this, right? But that guarantees, to some extent, the val- validity and authenticity of what is being said about you. And these follow the same guidelines. However, they're much more lax because they're not the people who are writing these recs are not teachers in a position where if it were discovered that they were doing things not by the book, right? Um, they would get into serious trouble. Okay. So all of these others provide a recommendation opportunity for you to have an adult speak authoritatively about you in a way that has to some degree this evidence that this was not tampered with in any way or was not unduly influenced in any way. Okay. And so this becomes really, really, really important, right? It's optional, but anything in this world of very competitive admissions, optional means do it well, 
right? That's how you should always read that translation. Anytime you see the word optional, it means do it well, but do it, right? And, um, and so I think that these optional recs are incredibly important. And I think it's very important for you to, because it demonstrates to some degree that A, you have a life outside of school, right? Which college is, right? You have classes, but you also have all these other things that colleges want you to be pursuing outside of the classroom. It shows that you have the capacity to build meaningful relationships with adults, right? Also important in a world of professors and a world of future employers, right? They want to know that you can navigate that, right? And you now have this further validation of your work qualities and and your personality that I can then corroborate with your teacher recs, right? If your teachers both say, right, oh, this kid is incredibly responsible and very diligent and always speaks up in class, is very caring for others, right? Always make sure that no one is left behind when it comes to group discussion, right? And I can read that and now I have two data points, right? Um, but obviously, right? This is class, right? If I then also get to read from someone that you worked with at your charity for your volunteer work or an employer, right, or your coach, and I read the exact same things, I now have three data points. I now have approaching a good sample size to say that, okay, who you are in the classroom, there are through lines that carry over to who you are outside the classroom as well, right? Which means that you're not only going to be awesome in my econ 101 class, right? You're going to also be awesome in my dining hall, in my library, in my clubs, right? In my campus as a whole. Okay. And so these outside recs, these third party, these third party, (laughs) these additional recs, these third recs can be great, right? So the question then and the challenge then is how do I go about finding them? This goes back to what I was talking about a few episodes ago in terms of summer, I think that summer is a great time to secure meaningful, challenging opportunities to demonstrate that you are in a lifetime learner, not just a school day learner. But it is an also it is also a great time to secure the positions where you will be able to then go on and ask for and secure strong recommendations. Right. Um, this is why I always encourage students to, you know, if you're, say you're going, you took, you signed up for a pre-college class, right? And you're going to this college campus. Don't just go and try to get class done as soon as possible so you can go and explore the city, right? Treat this like any other opportunity in a classroom to go up afterwards and talk to your professor. See if that professor is doing any research right now that you can maybe help on, right? Um, I did I had this with one student where um, they were going to a pretty top two university for um, a summer program. And I said, well, while you're there, what's your schedule? Like? He's like, oh, I have class from like 3 to 5 p.m. and then I'm just kind of free. <laughs> and I was like, what? So then instead of just being free, here's what we're going to do, right? While you're there, because I know what your interests are. Your interests are very specific and it's very hard to find because this student was very interested specifically in applied math. And applied math, like it's hard to find outside of academia in some ways to find someone who's doing, who's willing to kind of take you under their wing and talk you through it. So I said, okay, here's the list of kind of applied math professors. I want you to email them, let them know you're going to be on campus for summer, right? You're going to be doing research or so you're going to be taking this class, um, but you have all this time and you have a decent math background 
and you want to help, you want to learn, you want to do more. Let's reach out to all of them, tell them that you're there for that time period, ask them if there's any research that they can help out with. Turns out, out of all the professors we emailed, and there was a ton, right? One did, one said, great, right? I'm happy to, at the very least, meet with you, better understand your questions, right? Show me, you can show me your notebook of the math that you've been working through, and I can maybe point you in the right direction. But I also have some things that I'm working on that I'd, I'd love for an additional pair of hands with, right? Is it kind of grunt work? Yeah, sure, right? But now, right, you have, you are one of the only students, right, one of the only high school students, and I know this because I've been to a lot of summer programs, high school students don't do this, right? You are one of the only students to say, hey, while I'm here, can I talk with you? Can I learn more? I want to take full advantage of the fact that I am in this prestigious, incredible university that is known for its math programs, right? And I want to learn. Right. Who else can teach me? This professor and him ended up working together for the time that the student was there. And then they continued to interact and work after, right, throughout the school year, right, as the student was pursuing their own um, kind of research and pursuing their own things, right? Um, they would send their workings back and forth to compare notes and so on and so forth. Ended up more than happy to write the student a recommendation, right? Um, because the student has had consistently demonstrated, yeah, I'm ready for this. And being able to have a top math professor at a great university say, look, this kid, right, this kid has got it, right? That drive to succeed, that hunger for learning, the discipline to stick to the hard questions and push through to see what they can get to, this kid's got it. And I know because I worked with him in these particular ways. That is showing a level of initiative, a level of personal responsibility, a level of dedication to passion that even their teachers can't really speak to. And now this is coming from someone who is saying, like, it's one thing for a high school teacher to say this kid's ready for your college. It's something very different to hear from a professor at a prestigious university say this kid is a necessary component of whatever community you're trying to build. And so use summer as the gateway to meet the adults who will be in a position to say yes to changing your life, (laughs) right? That is the most important thing, right? Whether it be a summer job, whether it be um, the volunteer work that you are doing meaningfully, right? This is also why you should be doing volunteer work for a long time because a two-week volunteership is not going to get you a strong rack. Commit to something and go at it for a long period of time. Or obviously your coaches, right? Or your art teacher, your music teacher, right? Especially if they can highlight something that is a little bit more quirky about you, right? If you're STEM, but you also spend an incredible time, amount of time practicing traditional Japanese uh, instruments, Right? Have your music teacher talk about that, right? And talk about who you are as a um, as a as a musician, right? Like these pieces can be really important to give me a fuller picture of who you are. And as the rest of the pieces of your application pie are increasingly under scrutiny, right? Having authority. Um, having authorities speak authoritatively 
about who you are and why you're great and why this college would be really missing out if they chose to reject you, right? This is all very, very important. So think about your summer. Think about the opportunities that you're seeking. Think about, you know, evaluate your summer opportunities to some degree by does this give me exposure to adults who I can build relationships with who will become invested in my success and would be willing to write me a strong wreck. Use that as part of your litmus test for summer opportunities as well. Okay. All right. Thanks for listening to the Accepted Podcast. Again, my name is Tyler Kusunoki. We hope you enjoyed today's topic on the other wrecks. Uh, Join us next week for more on the complex world of college admissions. If you like what you're hearing and want to support this podcast, be sure to leave us a rating on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or your platform of choice. Subscribe, please, and hit the bell icon for notifications to stay up to date. We also regularly host events both in person and online. So if you're interested in attending free info sessions with me and real admissions officers, check us out at tokyoacademics.com slash events. That is tokyoacademics.com slash events. That's it for today. And remember, the key to getting in is getting ready. Thank you.